0: Hi, I'm your host, Tina Clark, and welcome to My Weirdest Experience Podcast. This is the podcast of the weirdest experience that has ever happened to you, and gives you a venue to fully express yourself and share your weirdest story with the world. This is the No Judgment Zone, a safe place to share your experience. It's also a place where we discuss what happened to you, and share some possible theories on what and why this happened. If you would like to be on the show, email me at contactstargazingangel at gmail.com. Hey, welcome to the show. I have Dr. Casey Shimon here with me today, and she is an army vet, an author, an ordained minister, and certified life coach. Welcome to the show. Hey, thank you for having me. So I contacted uh, Dr. Casey because she had quite a few stories up her sleeve and before I press record, we were talking about some of them a little bit. And um, so just walk us into your story, Casey.
1: Okay. Well, again, my name is Casey uh, Shimon, Dr. Casey. And my story starts, um, I had an interesting childhood. I did not grow up really close to my mother and father. Um, Over the years, I think I I might have been too smart for my own good. My mother told me when I was younger, I didn't immediately start talking um, and it was delayed for a little while. However, when I start talking, I was putting together sentences that was like baffling to her. Um, So over time, my mother worked at GM Um, And my dad worked the GM. I'm not sure if that's how they met, but they both worked there. So their time was very consumed. And for a long time, I stayed at home alone. Like while my mother was at work or running errands, I would just be around the house. Sometimes I would sneak out the window and go down the street to play with the other kids. There was a time that I called the police and told them I was home alone. I don't know if I was home alone when I called. Or if my mom was home to sleep and then they got there and she was like, why did you do that? <laughs> so um, that kind of started, I'll say the ruffles in our relationship. And by the time I was probably in the sixth grade, I ended up going to a friend's house for a birthday party. Um, and from that moment on, me and my friend became inseparable. So I ended up kind of living there more often than not. And I would not just go home and then eventually- I asked her grandmother to adopt me because she was adopting other children. She was like a foster mother. So when I asked her to adopt me, my mother just allowed me to kind of stay. And she would pay them to let me stay over there as often as I wanted. So um, eventually, uh, probably about eighth grade, my uncle passed away. And when he passed away, I ended up going to stay back with my mother full time. Um, but it was kind of not full time because she was so used to me being away that she was just doing her own thing. So I would be most of the time home alone. So I pretty much had my own apartment by the time I was 13, because she was either with a boyfriend or going out working when she wasn't working, you know, just being an adult that had gotten used to being without a child because I was living with a friend, um, as time progressed, um, I ended up having another friend kind of live with me and I kind of had friends to come over because I hated being alone. I have an older brother um, on my mom's side, but he went to jail when I was really young, probably about 10. So I didn't have a close relationship with him during this time. I literally was being raised as the only child. So um, about eighth grade, I started hanging with a new friend and we started, I actually started living with her and her aunt. And then when I lived with her and her aunt, um, I had, uh, I think it was my first encounter with an older guy. Um, One of her cousins used to try to uh, be with me and he was far older than what he should have been. So eventually I ended up going back home. And when I went back home um, after an encounter where he tried to Uh, go down on me orally it made me scurry away (laughs) so I never stayed with my friend again after that and when I went back home we moved to with a cousin so when we moved with a cousin we stayed there for a while Um, and during this first summer of us living there before we got ready to go to um, school before I started high school we went shopping with my mom and then she took me to Kentucky to visit my nephew she dropped me off, but she never came back. I called her. She was not answering the phone. Like she was like, she was avoiding me. And when I eventually got her on the phone, she told me I had to find my own way home. It It's about, probably about 14 years old because I was going to ninth grade. She had took my clothes back to the store and she had just was like, kind of abandoned me in Kentucky. And I literally had to ask a guy um, that my brother knew uh was in crime with at one point to help me get back home so he dropped me off two hours it was like four hours actually back to um Dayton Ohio and once I got back there I had another person come and pick me up to take me to my actual house it was one of the craziest um scariest experiences to be like literally left in a whole nother state um as a 14 year old and then to be told, hey, you're going to have to find your way back home. I know I was supposed to come and get you, but I'm not going to come. And, and I know I'm your mom, but, you know, you just see what happens. So I ended up getting back home. Um, I was going to a year round school. So it started in July. It started a little bit earlier than other schools. So once I had been uh, out of school for the, that amount of time that I was not in Ohio, that I was uh, left in Kentucky um i ended up changing schools when i got back because i just didn't feel comfortable starting late so when i changed schools i ended up getting wrapped up with some people that i knew um from a rehabilitation center that my family used to help run so i knew some people at the school already so when i got there i started hanging with these people and somehow or another i ended up getting into a fight at um and I ended up getting well. I hadn't got expelled just yet, so I started going there. Everything was going fine. Um, I started dating, hanging out with the wrong people, and eventually, um, I ended up getting. We moved in. Me and my mother moved in with my cousin. So eventually, me and my cousin had a altercation, uh, kind of similar to the young lady that got killed in Columbus, Ohio, where the they was um, the story was her. Um, foster mother called over somebody because she wasn't cleaning up or something like that. That's kind of how the story was with my cousin. My cousin, one day I was gone to get my hair done and I came home and it was dishes in the sink. And my cousin was like, you know, you need to clean the dishes. And I'm like- I've been gone all day. Why am I cleaning the dishes? Like, this doesn't is, is make sense. So I would not clean the dishes. Her son was there. He was older. You know, like, grown people are here. Somebody should have cleaned up before I get home. Don't leave it for me to do whatever. I've been gone all day. So we ended up getting into a huge argument. I'm talking about, I called her, all types of names. And she told me that she was going to beat me up if I wasn't gone by the time she got home. So I ended up like leaving out and going to the neighbor's house. And when I went to the neighbor's house, I called my mother. She really didn't say or do anything. So I ended up going to go live with my grandmother. So when I went to live with my grandmother, that was kind of like the place everybody went to live when they was like out. So I went to live with my grandmother. Um, eventually my mother and my cousin's son got into an argument and she ended up coming to live there too. Now it's kind of crazy to me as I've gotten older and think about how I got kicked out and was moved to my grandmother's house and then my mother was like, well, I'm going to still stay where you're not welcome. And I'm just going to let you go somewhere else. So I now looking back it's like man she was still that abandoning you know just like okay whatever happens to you is okay with me I know you'll be all right on your own type of feel so um when she ended up coming to live there this is when things kind of went south because I had gotten so used to doing my own thing because you know grandmothers don't really watch you they just Mm -hmm. make sure that you're okay (laughs) um and my grandmother is kind of crazy um she was a very prominent person in the city so she was used to people you know doing what she stayed um and she used to just kind of bully me but it was she was like this with all of everybody like she's just a harsh person um but something that i value now because I made it made me tougher. Cause I used to always be like, you're not going to talk to me like that. I would fuss back. You know, I was not the, (laughs) to the point to where before she passed away, she respected that I wouldn't let her, you know, handle me the way that everybody else would just be like, okay, whatever, you know, like, and back down. And I would be like, no, you're not talking to me like that. Mm -hmm. So eventually with my mother now living there, um, I had a job. I had always kept a job I first started working at a retail. store. Well, my first job was at an MCL cafeteria in the mall type thing. Then I started working at retail. And then from there, I ended up working at a jewelry store. So on the particular day when my mother um, attacked me, I had, let me go back because when I got, um, when I moved from my cousin's house, I ended up getting expelled so at school I ended up getting in two fights in one day I went there that day with the intentions of fighting one person and then <laughs> I ended up getting into another fight uh on accident <clears throat> so the accidental fight but I had already gotten into another so I think that when you are a little bit prettier or if you have, you know, like sometimes people, and I, I try not to think that people are jealous of me, but I don't really know why the fights that I got into why they were happening, Aside, probably the problems at home probably made me a little bit more aggressive. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, long story short, I ended up getting expelled from school. and ended up going back to the school that I had originally left because of the two weeks that I had missed. Mm-hmm. So when I got to the other school, um after my well okay so got to the other school did well on a roll got kicked out at the at one school but came back on a roll just everything is flowing so one day um I had started skipping again I was smoking Cutting school hanging out like I really didn't like school eighth grade I passed all of the proficiency tests and everything else so I'm like why am I here, you know, like I've done everything that I need to do I'm smart enough to pass all the tests why am I taking you know like, the? if I can do this, then why am I doing that, that was immaturity. <laughs> of course mm-hmm. but that was the way I felt so I would skip school um once I established that I was smart enough to to do that <laughs> so <laughs> so um I had a test and my mother asked me how I felt like I did on it and I told her I thought that I did well and about two weeks later when the test came in I had come home from uh for lunch and I was getting me something to eat and getting me something to wear because I had to go to my jewelry store job. And when I went in, I could smell the liquor and she was laying down. So when she, when I came in, she was like, you know, I thought you passed your test. I said, I thought I did well. Like, I don't know if I passed or not. I just told you, I thought I did well. Um, well, she what hadn't been, it's not like she was monitoring my school work or doing any due diligence as a parent to make sure I was doing well in school. She was just taking me. So. That day she got up and she was just belligerent. She would always be kind of belligerent. You ain't shit. And this day I was like, you know, I thought I did well. Like you tripping, like quit tripping. So I was leaving, got my stuff and I was leaving. And she came to the door. You ain't shit. You ain't never gonna be shit. You little whore, like just everything. So I was like, if if I'm not shit, I learned it from you because you're not shit. So if you're telling me that I'm not shit and I'm your child, then that means that you not shit. And that f- she flew out the door and she just started attacking me. And I was like pushing her back, trying to hold her. And I end up putting her in a headlock, just like chill out. Like, what are you oh doing? Like, God. I'm not trying to, like, I wasn't trying to fight her, but I'm not, I can't let you attack me at the same time. So she ended up being in the headlock and we kind of tussled to the ground at some point. And she was laying on top of me and she was beating my head. On It was like a, my grandmother had a new concrete poured in front of her house, like the sidewalk. So when, you know, at the left, at at the end of the concrete, the leftover concrete, they normally poured somewhere. So it was some poured concrete in the grass in the area that we was at. And she was literally beating my head on the little piece of concrete. And my friend that was in the car with me, got out the car and she had put her foot up under my head. And my mother literally swung at her and was like, little bitch i get you too it was like the craziest thing that i've ever experienced and then she started choking me and i was pulling her hair and like trying to bite her like i was just doing whatever i could to try to cuz i i had learned to move from the first friends house that i lived with her brother and i used to wrestle a lot so when he would get on me i would use my hips to thrust him off of me but for whatever reason when i was trying to do this with my mother it was not working so Eventually, there was a man in a white Cadillac, one of those, you know, the old school Cadillacs, big Cadillac. And he stopped in the middle of the street and he got out the car and he was like, you get off of her. You don't fight her like she no grown woman. And he literally put me and my friend in the back of his car and we rolled around the corner to a pay phone and we called the police. But about time we called the police and the police got there to get us. There was, so my grandmother and her neighbor had been neighbors for like as long as I could remember since I was a little, little, little girl. So her neighbor had called her and told her what was going on because my grandmother was a prominent figure in the community. She had already contacted the police and told them that, you know, it was just a something to, you know, get them kind of get it sweeped up under the rug. So my mm-hmm. mother never went to jail or anything, but they did file a police report. And I was sent to go live in daybreak, which was like a runaway shelter.
0: So how old, how old were you when this fight occurred? Um, I probably had just
1: turned 17. So I was, uh, just had, had just turned 17, either. I just turned 17 or our birthday was coming up, but I'm pretty sure that my, I had just turned 17. And, um, so I went to daybreak. And after I went to the runaway shelter, I called the cousin that had, I had just got put out of place and she let me come back. So I went there and I was having sex and eventually I ended up pregnant while I was there, but I didn't know. And I would like, my boobs was hurting when I would go down the stairs and all of the things, but I was so young that I just had no clue what was going on. It was maybe the Nile, even, but I just didn't know. Mm-hmm. And um, I ended up going to try to get on birth control they gave me birth control they didn't think I was pregnant and I ended up having a miscarriage um I one day I mean I just was feeling real real bad um about the second week into taking the pills and one day I was went to the bathroom and a little piece of meat about the size of a quarter like with density though um came out and I was it was an experience I didn't know what it was at first or what was going on but I just you know got in the shower I think I passed out when I got in the shower nobody came to check on me to see what the boom was when they heard me fall it was just and that was like um hurtful but like I couldn't imagine like how could you hear somebody like hear something and not say hey are you all right in there or anything so um eventually I was going still going to school and I was going to, now me and my mother had discussed me going, getting out of the school that I was in and going to the school closer to where I was staying at with my cousin. So she withdrew me from school. Um, and then I started hanging out with my friends and I guess I didn't come home either. I didn't come home or, okay, so here's the incident that I rarely speak of, but for you, (laughs) I will (laughs) disclose. So, um, During the time of living with my grandmother, there was an incident where I saw my cousin's um, brother-in-law get beat, um, like jumped by a whole lot of people. And at the gas station, like he was like beat on his head, like where his brains was coming out. By the time they was finished, he was like brain dead for, I mean, like it was so bad to where he was in a nursing home having to learn how to walk again in like a baby state. Mm -hmm. so um my cousin told the police that I saw and they put me in a position to where um I kind of felt forced to say something but then I knew the guys that had done the incident so they ended up calling me while I was staying with my cousin months later and then I was telling them like I didn't want to get involved that was my cousin that put me in it so I don't know maybe that they threatened her Or something because out of nowhere I got put out of her house and then I was living with a um another friend from school but he was related to somebody else I knew who told me that well I had saw that the friend's dad would allow her to date like 30 year olds like you know trying to use them for their money or whatever and we were only like 15 16 uh well no we was at 17 She Mm -hmm. was 16, but we were too young to be down that avenue. So one of his cousins or her cousin, a guy that I used to work with came to me and told me that he wanted me to leave from over there because the dad said that he was going to make me start making money. So he took me one day, we was going to get something to eat. And he was like, I don't want you to go back because it's not going to be good there. And I never went back. It was like an angel, like the way that, He just spoke to me, I I still remember the intensity of the conversation, and I just never went back so I stayed with my um, mother's friend, who, um, over the course of my younger years. Uh, she, my mother used to take me, to, she, I used to go on college tours when I was like 12 or 13 years old, where my mother would just let me go somewhere with somebody that she knew, and we would go to her colleges like for a weekend, or like if it was three or four days during the summer. And I, Like I have a mother that, she's careless, I think, <laughs> but very narcissistic, narcissistic, if nothing less, because it was... It would be convenient for her to let me go off at 12 or 13 years old with some older kids at 15, 16, 17 to to tour colleges. So I used to. Um, So after I ended up back homeless, after leaving my friend's house, I went to stay with my mother's friend and uh, my mother would not enroll me back into school. She actually refused to help me get my GED. So my mother's friend signed the papers for me to get my GED because otherwise I wouldn't be able to get it. Um, and that's when I started my journey to go to the army in the midst of me being homeless after my mother kicked me out um, or tried to kill me. And all of those things happened. People start mentioning to me the military. And at the time it was like, what am what am I doing with myself? I'm not doing anything else. So it sounded, it was introduced as a buddy plan um and when I went to talk to the person you know if he was telling me okay if you quit smoking if you do this you can go this route and I ended up going by myself and I'm happy that I went because it literally changed the course of my whole entire life so after I got my GED I ended up getting a rental card and wrecking it. So me and the lady that I was staying with, my mother's friend got into an altercation where I ended up back on the street. And I stayed with a friend's sister until I went to the army. So now I'm like homeless. I'm messed up with my mama's friend, messed up with my cousin, can't go back to my grandma's house. So now I'm with a friend's sister. And now the army is like, I don't see why I can't do it. You know what I'm saying? Like this is, (laughs) I don't. What else am I doing myself? I mean, I'm like, I'm gonna end up somewhere I don't want to be if I don't do something immediately. Mm-hmm. So, um, I kept toying with the idea. I would talk to people about it. I mean, this one guy, I remember? Um, boo, he used to uh tell me that he's like, "Are you sure? Like, what if you go to war?" I'm like, "Man, I ain't going to war. I'm gonna be all right." You know, just like I'm trying to do something. Don't discourage me. And um, eventually. I started watching, you know, they back in the day, used to have the VHS tapes of the Jesus story. So I would watch that all the time. (laughs) So um, in the course of watching that and just, you know, not having anything else to do, I started selling weed. I was just doing whatever I could to survive at that point. Um, I started working for my friend's mom. She used to have a cleaning business, cleaning movie theaters. So I had got me a good little job. And then when the opportunity came, for me to go to the military my mother was hesitant to sign off on it because I was only 17 she had to sign the papers but I went and took the ASVAB test and I did well like it was like I can't believe you did so well so it was kind of like how I did well on my school test mm-hmm. so um I ended up they was like okay we're gonna take you to Columbus you're gonna figure out we can test you see where you fit what type of job you want And when I got there, they told me I wanted to be a nurse, but they told me if I waited, I could be a nurse, but I would have to wait like two months and I would get $2,000 or $20,000, but I would have to wait. And I was like, well, what y'all got if I leave like right now, when is the fastest I can go? And they was like, well, we'll give you $2,000 if you go and you be a warehouse specialist and, but you could leave next week. So I went and swore in the first time, September the 6th. And then I left on September the thirteenth. So September is actually a really big month for me. Um, like a lot of my life-changing events happen in September. I believe this. I'm not sure what part of the like life cycle it is, but I know that it is an intense month for me mm-hmm. um, with relatives passing or transitioning. I went to the army in September. I went to Iraq in September. I've gotten um, disability benefits. It's like, it just, when I look at it, I have a list of all, it's like so much that it's like, okay, well, I know when September come, I know what to expect now. Um So I ended up going to the army and um it was a great experience. I, I went, I literally left a week after I initially went in and signed the papers, like I wasted no time. And basic training was not what is depicted to be on TV. I'm sure it had changed at that point from the sixties, seventies, and eighties. you know they mm-hmm. progressively make it better, um I suppose, but it was great. I wanted discipline, so it was everything that I wanted when I went. you know it was yeah. it taught me the structure that I was missing from not having an active guardian that was giving me you know discipline mm-hmm. um so uh I could talk about the army too. the, the Army was <laughs> well, I have
0: some questions, okay. So, you mentioned your mom, but what about your father? Was he in the picture at all?
1: Okay, so with my dad, my mom, my dad was around. I remember my dad being around when I was younger, but as I was getting older, my mother used to always talk about how he didn't buy me this and how he didn't buy me that, or would talk about how he would spend time with other people and not time with me. So eventually I started to feel like my dad didn't want me. And I remember when I was probably about nine years old, I told my dad, I never wanted to see him again. And he ran with it. <laughs> like He was like, all right, you don't want to see me. I'm sure it was more behind it because, you know, if you're dealing with my mom and she's in her craziness and always right. trying to get back with you and, you know, being vindictive so he just kind of like let it go and when I was in the army I event- eventually talked to him about it like what why did you not fight to have me in your life you should have done more than allowing a nine-year-old to say I don't want to see you no more you know I'm not old enough and I told him this I'm, I was not old enough to make that decision you're the grown-up you were supposed to say you don't tell me that I'm not, you going to bring your little ass over here and sit down. I don't care if we sit here and look at each other all day, but he just didn't take the initiative. Coincidentally, my mom and my dad are born two days after each, I mean, the day after each other. My my mom is on the 16th of January. Uh, this might be a little bit TMI, <laughs> <laughs> but my dad is the 17th. So it, they are like two of a kind, basically. Oh, So that. I got
0: that's like one of the craziest stories I've ever heard. <laughs> I think, and that's the light version. <laughs> I think that might be the craziest story I've heard on this podcast so far. Are you serious? It's it's just a lot of. It feels like you were shuffled around a lot, and you had these parents that may have not wanted to be parents, or
1: well, turns you know, out. My- My dad has, uh, he passed away in 2017, rest in peace. Um, And we grew to have a good relationship because as he got old, well, when I turned 21 and after I went, well, okay. This is the part that I skipped. When I was living with my mom's friend, I went and visited my dad and I was like, you know, this is what's going on. And he didn't really know. Um, and then when it, when it was time for me to go to the army, he didn't know that I had signed up to go to the army. He didn't find out until I went and told him that I was going and that I was about to leave. And he told me that if he would have known that I was in the situation that I was in, that I probably could have went and stayed with him. But, you know, at the time I had not known whether he cared or not. I mean, and this, it's something that I struggled with until I had my daughter in 2010. So this is 10 years down the line and I was still struggling with this to where I was more hurt when my mother didn't come see me have children than I was to even say, hey dad, I'm having a child. Would you like to be here for me or with me? Because I had been so caught up on my mother that I didn't, I mean, to the point to where when I had my daughter, he kind of went off on me. Like, why didn't you call me? <laughs> like, you, like, you're not the, he, she's not the only family that you have. But I had felt that way for so long that it took me for that to happen for him to say, wait a minute, you know, you're not being fair. So um, after that, like we've been close, he explained a lot to me, but I was his youngest child, not his only. He had four other children, um, all very much older than me, at least 10 years older than me. So I'm sure he was probably over the child, you know, stage when you get when you have children, if you're not planning to have children with somebody and all of your children are older, I think it's probably a bit of an inconvenience. And then if you're dealing with a crazy mama and yeah. my dad was 13 years older than my mother. So I'm sure my grandmother was like, this man came and got my baby pregnant. So yeah. Yeah. It's,
0: I think it's shocking because there's even with couples that are together and have multiple children and then they have this big gap. And then I call I call it the "oops" baby. Yes, you know, like the mom. Mom is already forty or around forty. They thought they were done. Empty nest syndrome about to kick in. And right here comes another one.
1: <laughs> it's something that I definitely. Um, I mean, if I was in that situation. Um, I will probably embrace it, but it's definitely something that would be a huge adjustment, especially if you get to start to where your kids are old enough to where you can move around a little more, and then you yeah. got to go backwards. Woo. Yeah.
0: So, your mom is still alive.
1: My mother is still alive. We okay. have a topsy turvy relationship. I deal with her now because I feel like that's the right thing to do. Um, but I don't like. I don't think I like her. <laughs> because wow. of the, I mean, even after being grown, she has been cussed me out, done me wrong. You know, like my my she came to visit once and she took my daughter to the park, my daughter and my son, and my daughter fell and hit her head. And instead of calling me and saying, Hey, this might be an emergency, or just to let you know, your daughter fell. They went to Waffle House. They rode the train home. They drove, you know, they did everything else. And my daughter then threw up. She's walking to Wobbly. She literally have a concussion. And when I went, took my daughter to the hospital and they told me she had a mouth concussion. And they asked what happened. I was like, you know, my mother was there, so I'll let you call and talk to her. My mother went and told my family that I called the police on her. When I got home, she left. She didn't even call back to check on my daughter or nothing. So I didn't talk to her for a while. Um, However, I had a complicated surgery at the VA Medical Center, and um, I ended up getting sepsis, having a hole in my valve, in the hospital for. 12 days and during that 12 day period she kind of prank called me act like she thought she was calling somebody else which you know you call my number <laughs> but right so uh, okay I, I, I'll let you have it so you know I talked to her but it's because I feel like I'm obligated to before. A while, I mean, I don't care if I don't talk to her, but I do. I feel bad sometimes. Like when I see people with good mothers, I'd be like, man, I would hate to lose a mother if I was that close to her, yeah. because I don't know what that feels like if my mother passed away. I probably, it probably would be like, uh, you know, shed a tear because it's my mother, but there's no connection there like that. So it, I feel bad for people that have really bonded relationships with their moms.
0: Yeah, I think it's hard to predict um, how you're going to feel because even if you had a difficult relationship with your mom, you just cannot predict how you're going to feel once they're gone, I think. But I don't know, maybe it might be a relief. I mean, you've you've gone through so much Mm -hmm. Um, and I was thinking about all those people that were involved you know, your cousin and your friends, families, and they took you in. And I, I
1: definitely feel protected. I feel like God allowed me to be guided a little bit, you know, and when things were not going right, he sent other people to kind of be like, okay, this is not working. I need you to move along or do this or do that. So it, it definitely feels divine especially sitting here and now being able to reflect and seeing how far i've come and i've grown over you know the course of the last 20 years it's a blessing um it's a lot to deal with um more so because I, i i don't really have a great relationship with all of my family but the people that i do they struggle to understand the relationship with my mother, they they think that I'm supposed to like kiss her ass or like be like, well, she's my mother. She can do anything in the world. And I'm just supposed to. And I don't feel like I'm supposed to take it just because you're my mom. No, yeah. you don't. Just because you birthed me don't mean that you can talk to me crazy, treat me bad or, you know, act like the things that you haven't, that you've done, haven't been a problem, and anytime that I try to ask her about it, a couple of years ago, I was trying to ask her, like, you know, why, why have you done, you know, like, is there a reason, like, trying to talk to her about it, and she's like, don't psychoanalyze me, you know, like, and I told her, like, I'm not trying to ask you for you to get to, I'm trying to ask you to heal myself, like, You think that it's about you and it's not about you. I'm trying to get the answers that I need so that I can have peace. And uh, it kind of, it didn't end well. So now I I just, some conversations is not even worth the argument.
0: Yeah, and I think you mentioned that you thought that she was a narcissist.
1: No, 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 she's definitely. So
0: narcissists are totally unreasonable. Um, They will never be accountable they won't apologize they'll gaslight you till the end you know deny that they said or did anything and it's really just really difficult to deal with so She's,
1: well the, and for I, this is the reason why I say I'm not sure if when it's her time to go I don't know how I would feel because it's been such a Hard time for me to try to deal with the relationship in the first place. Um, wanting to have the relationship that I think this should be there with a mother daughter I think that that should be like my best friend like I should be able to call her and she wants to hear from me but sometimes I call her and she like I'm annoying the hell out of her like what do you want daughter like damn I'm your daughter I can't just call you just to call you and she doesn't always want to be bothered and because I have to accept that it's like I have to look at her like she's not my mother like she doesn't she doesn't operate in the space that I I want to be, you know, like mm-hmm. she is mm-hmm. not the type of mother that I will ever aspire to be. I try to make sure that my daughter knows that I love her. I try to tell her she's beautiful, you know, uh, you know, just telling her that she loved that. I love her one but I remember when I first had well I didn't want a daughter I was scared I was like terrified like oh my god I do not want to be like my mother I don't want to have that type of relationship and I went to the altar when I was in church and everything like and had somebody praying for me like look I'm scared because I, I don't want this to be like it was with my mother and that was horrifying but I do everything in my power and now to make sure that I'm doing then I'm my daughter's friend and my, her mother, you know, and I mm-hmm. discipline her and I try to explain why discipline is important. And my cousin sometimes, um, she asked, well, I told her that I, my, my kids know about my mother's relationship with me and all the things. I mean, when my, when my son was smaller, he used to ask like, so how does that make you feel? Like my, my son is like <laughs> a little intuitive. he's very intuitive so he used to like talk to me like my therapist a lot Mm -hmm. and um I have a cousin it's like I would not have told them that like why would I lie and tell them something different like they should know where I come from so that they can value the type of mom that I am if nothing else
0: do you think it's that like the the family and your friends that were around you at this time that they were seeing things That weren't right but they were covering up for each other kind of like enabling bad behavior that is the nature of most black families but
1: definitely in mine um and I'll say that my mother lied when when the incident happened she told them that I attacked her she made my family turn on me and they really thought that I had you know just wowed out and of course because i had been fighting and all of the other things they just assumed that it must have been me and even to this day they act like they have reservations and i'm like no (laughs) like she lied literally lied, and said that i just did so much bad and it was like i just came home to get some clothes so that i could go to work and go back to school and i was attacked verbally first Mm -hmm. And when I said, when I stood up for myself, she physically attacked me. And then she told them that I had just, you know, Casey just was acting crazy and start fighting her mama. Like, no, I was attacked. So I, I think that, but that hurt me too, because I remember being in my my grandmother helped start a drug rehabilitation center. So my aunt, all my cousins, everybody used to work there as a family organization. And Mm -hmm. I remember being there in the office with my aunt. She was the CEO at the time and telling her like, cause they was like, well, the Bible say, don't disobey your mother and father. And I'm like, but the Bible also says that they should not do anything to provoke you to be a certain type of way. So y'all keep trying to use the Bible to make me feel bad. And I was, (laughs) I'm the victim. so it has been it has not been challenging because it's been my life it's like I've adjusted to it and I have um, I'm a self-sufficient person it made me self-sufficient because I I didn't have anybody that I felt like I could turn to so when I got divorced from my ex-husband I built my life around If nobody comes to save me, how am I going to make this work for me and my children? So now I'm literally self-sufficient and it's harder for me to try to let somebody in than somebody that's codependent. You know, somebody's codependent, they always got somebody around. It's always somebody there. But I built my life to where if nobody shows up, I'm going to make it.
0: Yeah. I mean, I just can't imagine taking my daughter to Kentucky and dropping her off and, and not going back. Like if my daughter is ten minutes late from school, I'm texting her, "Where you at?" You know.
1: I had so I told you about the me being in hospital for um, the Nick Bow at the VA. Um, during that time, I ended up having to have my cousin to come from Ohio to get my children, and she took them back to Ohio um, because otherwise, they would have been staying with a neighbor. Mm -hmm. Um, I was in the hospital totally. My ex-husband said he couldn't get my children despite me being in the hospital, you know, like I was in ICU for two days. He said that he had to work so he couldn't get the children and they was at a neighbor's house. So when they was at the neighbor's house, um, I was like, I didn't like it. It it just made me uncomfortable. I don't know you well enough to let my kids be at your house for this long. So Mm -hmm. I had my cousin to come and get my children. So she took them to Ohio. During the portion of them being in Ohio, my daughter called me one day and was like, mom, I just want to come home. I mean, like, I don't know what happened um, during the time. I don't know if somebody made her feel uncomfortable. I don't know what it was, but she called. I mean, I was recovering from sepsis, sick, barely able to move around. When my daughter called me, I was on the highway to Ohio, driving, trying to figure out what am I going to do? I mean, the only good thing that I will take from the incident with the the Nick Bell and being in the hospital and being that sick, um, because listen, I can give you about four different stories that would w- make you be like, I could not believe that this just happened. Um, the best thing is that during that time when my daughter called me, even though I could barely make it <laughs> like around moving around the house, I drove to Ohio to pick my daughter up because she called me and she t- she was crying. I, she didn't tell me what was wrong. But I knew that if my daughter called me that emotional that I need to have my ass in Ohio. I don't care how sick I was. And I got there and I could barely move. I mean, I got there and I was stuck on the couch and then I got to, I left there and my dad called me. I was like, dad, can I come to your house? Like, I really don't feel well. My aunt is moving around so she can't really help me out. And I got the children. So he was like, yes, come on. You know, you're always welcome. So I went to his house and I laid in his, I was stuck in bed for like a week. I probably got up like two times, but I appreciate that time because my dad was able to spend time with my children. Um, and I was able to, you know, allow my dad to take care of me in a way that he probably never, ever, you know, imagined being able to, cause he'd never mm-hmm. done it before. So it really, um, it was really a moment that I value because it was the time that I get to spend with my dad and my, I mean, mm-hmm. he fixed spaghetti made out of Wendy's
0: chili, you know, like,
1: <laughs> yeah, you said you was making spaghetti. This is not spaghetti. <laughs>
0: So culturally is it is it about loyalty or is it about well we we don't want to advertise our dirty laundry in the family we don't want anybody to know about this although how could they not know if you are being shuffled from friend to cousin to whatever something is up right
1: definitely um some of it is loyalty some of it is shame some of it you know because my grandmother was a prominent person in the community you really try to keep a little bit more you know under wraps right you don't want to affect
0: her reputation correct I mean like
1: right now the understanding I have of who my grandmother is now after she passed and the list of things that they said she did in our city was like I wish I would have known. Maybe I would have acted a little bit better. Maybe I would have taken a different path if I would have known what was at hand. Mm -hmm. Um, But some of it is loyalty. Some of it is, you know, like, I could tell you stories that, from my understanding, I have an aunt that killed one of my other aunt's husband because he, like, used to do some wild stuff to to his stepchildren. And I have an aunt that killed her sister's husband. And never went to jail for it. And I believe that the reason why the jail part never happened was because of the, cover, not covering, but, you know, I'm sure it was justifiable to some extent, the course of the story that I know, but it just, you know, it's like one of those things that, you know, I have a cousin that jumped off a building and committed suicide, but nobody really knows about anything that has happened in the family because everybody is like, hush, hush. I don't know if they're scared to talk about it or what but it's like this vow of silence of some
0: sorts yeah I don't don't think that's unusable either I mean my my father's family um they're from New England they're like European descent but nobody I think it's also generational because I think Mm -hmm, nobody mm -hmm. wanted to talk about the bad things now let's not bring that up you know, here's the problem with that. If you don't talk about it and deal with it and the emotions of it, it gets passed down to each mm-hmm. generation. Like, And that's
1: the real generational curses. It's not right. the, the spooky stuff that people think it is. Right. It is the unhealed and unaddressed things that happen that yes. it, because it's not addressed, like if mis- molestation happens and nobody ever addresses it, then that person ends up molesting somebody and who ends up molesting right. somebody. Right or is getting exposed to it, to where it affects who they are and who they become.
0: Exactly. So right now I'm reading this book. I'm going to look it up because it it talks exactly about this, that, and it, it, and it has exercises in it, in how to figure out where your fears come from, especially if they don't make sense well and
1: that's what spiritual human behavior is about when i started developing that it was like a theory um i called it my theory book at first and i was just like okay so i would notice a behavior pattern within myself and i was like well man that sounds like a theory like if this happens then this automatically happens and every time i would like one thing would happen with no matter who i was looking at situation it would always be like a ripple effect and every few weeks i would say man this sounds like a theory and i ended up having 11 different theories of how behavior pattern is influenced by your um, environmental factors and all those things and how that affects your spiritual um aspect of living and your behavior patterns
0: exactly because it's called it didn't start with you by mark woolen have you read that book no, but I am going to look it up I'm going through it right now and one of the ways to to connect back to your ancestors because I identified my fear Now, my fear is something happening to my children whether I lose them or, or some harm comes to them that's my ultimate fear so you trace back your your ultimate fear identify your core language you know my core sentence is something bad is going to happen to my children. That's my core sentence. Then you go back and look at your parents and your grandparents and your great-grandparents and you look at where may, where they may have had that fear too. And and you, it's kind of like investigation because if you're in a family that do, doesn't talk about bad stuff, you're- Well,
1: the, the, the mix, missing factor- I don't want, I don't know if it's only in the black community, but I can speak for the black community is Mm -hmm. when you have um, either don't know your father or your mother may have multiple uh, baby fathers. um, Mm -hmm. Then it puts a different mix in there because now you're dealing with whatever you get from your mother, then figuring out what you get from your unknown father. And then how each of the other children or siblings have them not or maybe knowing their father, because some people like you may not know your father, but your sister or brother might know theirs, you know, like my brother, I don't think he ever had a relationship or knew his father closely, but I knew my dad. So that also affects people as well, because now it's a jealousy, like, well, how your dad is around, or how you know your dad, and then I don't know mine, you know, so it, it's, it's a lot of different things, because I think, uh, when spiritual human behavior it makes you address yourself from okay when did I start acting this way when did I notice yeah. who, how was I before I experienced something because normally when you're triggered you're triggered to an experience so right. when you're triggered to that experience how does that experience what about that experience changed you and who were you before that and it's the same way when you think about um, the type of men you date because a lot of people Uh, when they're single, they cycle through the same type of people. But they never figure out why do they like this type of person. So for myself, I had to figure out what men were was I exposed to that made me say this is the type of man that I would like to choose or be okay with. And then mm-hmm. I start thinking I had an uncle that you know he was present, but he had drug problems and alcohol problems, and he was abusive at times. Then I had another uncle; he was um, gay and moved away, kind of like me living away from my family but he lived in um, LA and he ended up dying in LA like on the street or something and had no family there to, you know, help him out or anything. So when I, when you start breaking down the different narratives of what you know, then you have to figure out, okay, based on what I know, what I was exposed to now, how has that shaped me? And then is there something deeper that it will go to because uncovering yourself, Is not only I mean it's about your family history your family history can help it can help you understand the parts of you that don't make sense, but there are a lot of you that you've been told to denounce. And when you start looking at the things that you've been told is not okay, you figure out why do you like the thing that you like versus something else? Or is this the choice that you made? Or is this somebody told you to make this? So with spiritual human behavior, that my goal is to help people to uncover, to break down their defense mechanisms. At one point, I I list all of the defense mechanisms, um, whether it is being materialistic and where that comes from, how people get into womanizing, being a meat eater and then I, I kind of like okay and this is how you correct that because most people are only that way because of a, a circumstance that made them need to survive because of, and, and that was the survival tool so if you begin to break those survival tools which you would need to break the need of, of feeling that you need to survive because a lot of even celebrities when you see a lot of people with money and all of these things that they do as an armor. It's a defense mechanism because yeah. they don't want you to see who they really are. But when you begin to heal, you, you're not as um, insecure about being exposed in your vulnerabilities. So you don't right. need the stuff to cover you. You can just be the true you.
0: Yeah. So when I was looking at my family, I was looking at who lost a child, who had a child that was harmed or who even lost family. So on both sides, my grandmothers were orphans. Mm. Okay, right so we there. had <laughs> my Filipino grandmother lost her entire family by the age of sixteen to the Spanish flu, mm. and then she got married. So, so had, how's,
1: how does that make you feel? I'm, I know you're supposed to be doing the interview, but how does that make you feel? You in, know what? With COVID going on.
0: I've, I when it started coming out last year, I started thinking about this because I'm like you, I'm trying to understand myself all the time. And I said, I'm surprised I'm really not triggered by COVID. So maybe somebody healed it. And I didn't get it passed down. Or maybe that's not the issue I got and somebody else got it. Right. But no, I really, I don't feel like I've gotten any of that trauma. But that fear with the children I think I think there are women in my family that lost babies and didn't talk about it Mm -hmm. and still won't talk about it but when you start looking at your family you can you can figure out what happened to them by their behavior Mm -hmm. and their energy and their language
1: behavior patterns tell a whole lot more than people realize and um I I this is that is how I learn people. I watch what you, I I hear what you say, mm-hmm. but I'm watching what you do. I see how you respond. So um, when I'm on social media, if I am interacting with like a large audience, I may post one thing just to see how people are going to respond. So I know who I'm dealing with because sometimes you may think one or say one thing, but how you respond will speak more to who you are than what you're saying.
0: And I think this is really important because right now, I think it's, it's a special time. There are many of us on this planet that signed up to heal this kind of mm-hmm. stuff, whether you're aware of it or not, or whether you're doing it or not. I mean, your family, my God, I don't know what you were thinking before you incarnated, but you were sure, like, well, let me this. tell you one sure, thing. I can heal this. Oh yeah. I'll do these 20 crazy things and <laughs>
1: everybody in my family a large majority of us have dreams like vivid dreams that have some type of truth to them when like it plays out and that's something that's rarely talked about i'm probably the person that talks about it the most um because i'm not afraid to be judged as much as i put on um but they it's it's weird because I am the outspoken one in my family. (laughs) Like everybody else is like, shine away, go along to get along, let anything happen and they'll just put up with it. And I'm not putting up with it. I'm sorry, I'm not.
0: Me too, me too. And that's (laughs) what you call the black sheep. And that's why I love the black sheep in the family because they're usually the ones that pick up on the bullshit right Mm -hmm. away and they're mirrored back all of that ugliness back to the family and the family cannot stand it because they don't want to face their own issues and fears and they don't
1: realize that if you face it then it's no longer an issue like i like to talk about a lot of my flaws like i don't think i have too many flaws i really have worked to become a very good person but I do like to amplify what I know somebody may have a problem with, or somebody may point out, because if I point it out, then I'm letting you know that I know. So you're not going to bother me by pointing it out, but also (laughs) you can't use that to manipulate me or to move me because I am willing to say, no, (laughs) I'm speaking up. That is not what it is. And a lot of people don't like that. People like when people just go along to get along. They like when people not going to say anything. So I end up, I think sometimes I end up being more alone, not lonely, but alone because people think that just because you're alone, you're lonely, but I have greater peace when it's just me. I don't have to worry about who's doing what or question anybody because I know that I'm solid. I know I'm never going to do anything, one, to hurt anybody else, but definitely not hurt me, and I'm not going to allow something with me to hurt my children, so it's some risk that I will not take because if I take this risk, it could affect my children. And Mm -hmm. I'm never, whether it is smoking weed or having a drink, they may see me have a drink every now and again, now that they're a little bit older, but like my children, if they know I smoke is because I am not as secretive, like I'm not hiding that I smoke, like I'm not doing anything to say Oh, oh, but I'm not smoking in front of you. You know what I'm saying? You've never seen me smoke. Although you may smell it. You may see my eyes red. It was so funny because my children used to be like, uh, 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 whenever they would see me with my eyes red, I'd be like, so I had to stop them. What y'all doing that for? I, I'm not, you know what I'm saying? I see what y'all doing. I am picking up that y'all pick it up, but we all picking up together, okay? <laughs>
0: <laughs> but you know, the secrets are insidious and you keep the secrets and- they don't have the opportunity to be discussed and mm-hmm. shared and mm-hmm. healed. And, and then it just gets passed down. And then, you know, even- because
1: nobody, if, if a child sees you go through or do this, it's like, Oh, what I was going to tell you, a lot of it is because of religion, religion teaches you to deny the bad, to act like it never happened. I mean, this is literally what people are told act like it never happened. Jesus wash it away. Jesus has been used as a tool for denial. Like if you just slap some Jesus on it, then, (laughs) you know, it's going to be all right. It's like, you know, Jesus is not a wand, a magic wand. It is not,
0: and, and,
1: religion is a whole nother thing we'll be on here for another
0: hour and a half yeah 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 I got a lot to say about that too. <laughs> oh
1: my because I call it Christian denial it is a yeah, part of yeah. my um faith books I have four faith books that's available on uh edu slash org. and in though in those books as well as in spiritual human behavior I talk about Christian denial because it's a real thing Christians will deny that I mean they act like I don't know how you feel about this, but there's no human way that Jesus was born without sperm. No, no way possible. It's mm-hmm. just like uh, for a human to be a human, there has to be sperm. <laughs> you can't be human without, I mean, like literally, and I, I, I I'm i going to offend whoever or he's not,
0: to. or he's not human.
1: <laughs> or he's not human. And, and I, I have a whole lot of theories about Jesus um but I love him I believe that he's my big brother I believe that you know I believe that he has been used as a tool to control people though because yeah. Christ if you research what Christ actually means it is anointing so they gave him the title of the anointing because he walked in who he was supposed to be in earth you know mm-hmm. in the spiritual mm-hmm. realm but they use it so wrong. It's just used wrong. Like I
0: always say that Jesus is tired. Stop calling on Jesus. You know, there's there's so much more can, out can there. Can Jesus rest in peace? You know what? There's legions of angels out there. How about you ask them for help? They're ready to help you. You know, Jesus is not the only one. You know, there's ascended masters. There are people who, you know, learned all these spiritual truths on the planet and ascended. You know, we have Buddha See, but, we but have even clients. Jesus
1: was was one of many. You know, right. he he was not the only prophetic it is uh, but in in, <laughs> in the in in especially in the black community they don't know who else to believe in. If you take Jesus away, they they feel like they don't have anything. So until they learn the truth about the difference between religion. And God's anointing, like there is religion's God, and then there is the God of everything because religion is limiting to who God can be, what God can do, who God can see and who he going to choose to use. But religion doesn't limit the gift. Like if I'm not a Christian, that doesn't mean that God didn't still give me a gift. It just isn't the gift that y'all are comfortable with me using the way y'all want me to use it because- (laughs) witch hunts really happened like that was a real thing this is not something some fairy tale that somebody just and when I realized that a lot of the things that we thought was just cool slogans or just things that people say were like real life events yeah it really changed my thinking because it's like no they killed people who were naturally gifted who naturally had million naturally had anointing yeah and then and then they gave you who they wanted you to use
0: Oh, they killed. They killed the saints, and then they sainted them afterwards. Mm -hmm. You know, these are people who died. You know, they got burnt alive. They got roasted alive. They got in real life. Like people think, but a lot of people think
1: that it's a myth or a fairy tale. Like, no, this was really like there are really people. But and then I try to. this, This is my next thing because chemistry is real. But chemistry is nothing but what witches and 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 healers were doing with herbs but they did it with chemicals they found chemicals in a way to manipulate it to some art (laughs) artificial intelligent type of magic that is not that so what they call magic is really what they're doing the organizers and the organization of it Mm -hmm. more so than the natural healing measures that the ancestors or those that were before us actually used the spiritualists before religion, like before the Bible that got published in sixteen hundred. <laughs> there was there was God. There was God before you know the publication of the Bible. Before matter of fact, King James was not there when none of those people was here. He here from hearsay.
0: Especially, actually, before- most of the Bible was written hundreds of years after. Um. You know, the New Testament was written hundreds of years after Jesus died, so you know they were just guessing.
1: Yeah, and and they conveniently left out some important things.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, that's an understatement.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it was a lot of convenient uh, misinformation shared, but I believe that what what happened. some point is they did get some spiritual knowledge there is definite spiritual knowledge there but the spiritual knowledge is in the parable like I believe when Jesus said that there is a parable I think the whole bible is a parable and you have to have a different spiritual understanding to really get the understanding behind what is being said because people look at the bible literal but if you look at it on a spiritual standpoint it has a whole different meaning it has a whole different undertone
0: yeah yeah I'm I'm with you 100 (laughs) percent. Well you know I'd love to have you back if you want to talk about this because I could talk about this religion (laughs) stuff for a while. (laughs) Um,
1: We could talk about religion,
0: veteran issues. um, Yeah yeah and 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 dealing with trauma is one of my interests. Um, I have a lot of clients that have trauma. Everybody has trauma and You know, I'm interested in healing this in this lifetime, FYI, everybody. Um, And I hope you are too interested in not passing this on to our children and our grandchildren and so on. Because to me, I always say the book stops here. I'm going to do everything I can to heal this.
1: But it also helps healing with the community because if somebody else sees that you've healed from something, then they know that they can—they don't have to go through it alone and they can get through whatever their thing is also.
0: Right. Because everybody has a thing. Right. So I'm always trying to figure out how to heal it. So this is why I read these books and I practice it on myself. And then if it works for myself, I start teaching other people how to do it. So I wanted to say, I, the other night was working through the book and I wrote some letters to some of my ancestors about what I knew about what they went through and how hard it must have been. And then at the end of the letter, I would thank them for everything that they did and for surviving, because if they had not survived, even to a certain point, I wouldn't be here.
1: Yes. I'm going to try that. That sounds like something that I should do.
0: So that's one of the suggestions in the book that I mentioned earlier by Mark Wallen is he says one of the ways to connect back to those ancestors is write them a letter.
1: I'm going to download his book. Hopefully he has it on audiobook. I, I do a lot of audiobooks.
0: Yeah. It allows it, me to be able to multitask. Yeah. And and is this easy? No. Does this take time? Yes. Is it worth it? Totally. Time and isolation sometimes. 200% right now. A lot of us are at home. You know, I'm, I'm avoiding going out myself. And this is what I'm doing, folks. I'm working on myself and I'm working on my family line. And, you know, and I'm doing this podcast because I love meeting Great people like you, Dr. Casey. So thank, thank you. you so it much.
1: A, it was a pleasure to be here. I love talking to you. I would love to be back.
0: Yes, we will, we'll go set up another one, figure out what we're talking about. You can come back as many times as you want because...
1: <laughs> <laughs> the great we're, vibes, the great
0: vibes. Right. I love this. Yeah, we're on the same page for sure. So how about you let people know if they would like to contact you, how to find you and locate you online, social media, etc.
1: If you would like to contact me or follow me, you can follow me at Speaking Freedom on Instagram. It is Casey Shimon on Twitter, K-A-C-I-C-H-A-M-O-N-E. And I am starting a YouTube. uh, Well, I have a YouTube. I am refurbishing and rebranding. So I will be uploading new episodes to my YouTube and my podcast, the Speaking Freedom Radio Show as well as I have a Roku app that will be dropping some new episodes I have about eight seasons worth of content that will be dropping on the Roku app so the Roku app is the speaking freedom show or speaking freedom tv and follow me tap in
0: well thank you so much Dr. Casey we'll definitely have you on again and um thank you for being on the show Hi friends, thanks for listening. This is your host of the Weirdest Experience podcast, Tina Clark. I also wanted to share with you, I have my own energy healing business called Stargazing Angel LLC. I offer energy healing sessions, EFT tapping sessions, tarot readings, and I also offer classes on Reiki, shamanism, and tarot and more. If you're interested in having a session with me, please call 843-695-7218 or you can email me at contactstargazingangel at gmail.com. You can also check out my website, which is www.tinakinneclark.com. That's T-I-N-A-K-I-N-N-E-Y-C-L-A-R-K-E. You for listening. If you have a weird experience to share, please email me at contactstargazingangel@gmail.com. at gmail.com. Check out our website on tinakinneclark.com. Also, we're on Facebook and like us on Facebook and share your favorite episodes with your friends and family. I look forward to hearing about your weirdest experience.